Hi, this is Owen here. Just wanted to let you know that in the last half hour or so, Thomas's audio gets a little bit weird. I think it must have been due to internet connection or something, and there wasn't much I could do, so just giving you a heads up and hope you enjoy. What are we doing here? Let's forget our existential dread and grab another beer. Like we've been doing it for years And after all it's neither there nor here Ah, not much Are we are we diving in or Yeah, I suppose we can, yeah <laughs> One thing I was gonna say was I don't know if you wanna like release do like know that idea we had to release a few together yeah. And if we should like record a wee thing now to put at the start of them. Oh yeah, I get what you mean, like our intro, like kinda You know, just to be like, oh these were recorded a while ago kind of thing. Yeah, we can do that if you want. That makes sense. Rather than when well, and if they're really up to date, we can be like these ones are really up to date. Yeah. Yeah, because I was looking at it, there's kinda like there's one and then there's one that we did, like, there's, like, the drunk cast and the hangover cast. <laughs> so oh, yeah. we, we, like, we could put them out as two separate things, because one's, like, nearly an hour. Like, the hangover cast is, like, 15 minutes anyway, I think. So it's, like, pretty much a full one anyway. So we could put yeah, out, like, the drunk and the hangover, and then the other one before that. I just put them out together. So we could just record something now, being like, oh, these were recorded. Oh, yeah, these were recorded, like, previously, or whatever they were, like, a month ago yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. Then we could even continue on after that with, like, this is, like, a newest one if, or if we you know we'll figure it out well no, I'll, I'll just if we if it's just me and you talking and then i'll edit this part out and then we'll start this podcast this episode properly yeah i get what you mean yeah okay so so uh and action <laughs> we have the drunk cast and then the hangover cast and the one if you there was another one before that um, um but yeah the the last time we recorded was August, and it's now, uh, what month is it again? October. <laughs> October? How does time yeah. work? I forget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so we we decided a while ago that we were going to put a load out together, or like a few out at the same time, so I think we're going to... Can I do so that probably now? Hearing that hearing those now. Or you will be hearing those if you keep listening. Yeah. And... This is a continuation from our... Our mid-season break. <laughs> yeah, these these ones were all ones that we uh, were able to get together and record in person because it was a summer and things were looking up. But uh, now it's October and things are looking shit again. Yeah. So, enjoy. <laughs> so, as everyone goes back into lockdown, I guess, I hope these will be listening more or again. Yeah. You know, it kind of started in lockdown and there was four people in lockdown. I suppose we kind of took a break as we were partying all summer and uh, it's back to lockdown so here you go listen to some uh, nostalgia for that great summer we had (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't too bad in all fairness like yeah yeah what was going on could have been a lot worse yeah anyway good luck (laughs) goodbye (laughs) (laughs) goodbye (laughs) yeah that'll do yeah that's (laughs) fine Sure, even if it's like we can 
record another one if need to be, but sure, I'm sure it'll be fine anyway. I'll get something usable out of that anyway. Right. Just even like just alter all the voice bits into different sounds and noises and just <sighs> slap her on. <laughs> um so yes, yeah, was now we start the actual Yeah. Yeah, so as we were just talking Yeah, last time we recorded was August. Mm. Lovely, uh, lovely August. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I miss you, August. <laughs> how, I, how I miss a flat curve in August. <laughs> uh, um, somehow October. And I was not able to go home this weekend because Donegal is in level four and I'm in yeah. enhanced level three and we're probably going to yeah. be in level five in like two days. <laughs> yeah, so we're back. Uh, uh Lockdown two electric lockdown blues two electric blue blues. <laughs> I was chatting with Patty last night and he didn't mean to, but he like he said uh I everything's in meltdown and I was like, Yeah, actually that's a good that's a better term. Not lockdown, meltdown. Back into meltdown. <laughs> no, no, I think I think the country's in lockdown, but the people are in meltdown. In meltdown. Yeah. yeah. Cause like I was uh yeah, I was up, went, returned some books to the library yesterday, and then I was like asking, I was like, are you closing? Because they were open in like a a capacity where you could order the book online and then you could go in and they would like have it um, have it ready for you now. Yeah, like, like I a pickup service. Like... Yeah, I went to the library like, oh, was that a couple of weeks ago? And it was, it was, it was cool. Like you uh, ordered online and then got a phone call being like, your stuff's in and went down and it was like, came in a wee bag with my name on it and all it's like <laughs> or, already checked onto my card and everything <laughs> that's class that's actually yeah. such, such, such a good service like it's actually such yeah, a good was, yeah so like it was already on my card so I didn't even have to give them out or anything it was just really like efficient and I was like oh that's pretty sweet it was yeah. like when they called I was like oh yeah I can come down later so it was all ready for me oh that's perfect so I was that's hoping class. maybe I was hoping maybe even though we're going into lockdown you know because there's there's no difference to them really it's just one person behind like you know, like you don't even go into the building; you just go to the door. Yeah. So I, it's like I was like, it's it's, it's yeah. like a takeaway, like which is yeah, pretty open. Much. Yeah. So, if that's exa- that's actually it's probably even like safer than a takeaway. Yeah. Like, <laughs> less interaction, like. Yeah, it was easy enough. But, it was um, easy enough to give like the books a wipe to make sure there's no COVID on yeah. them. Like. Yeah, they have the returns book at the door too, so you just leave it. They probably just check it after. They probably check it like they probably leave it overnight and then just check them in the morning. Yeah, just wipe them down. Be yeah. easy enough to do, like. But uh, yeah, so I, I went and returned some books and asked them, hope, hoping that maybe they would still be open. That'd be handy. It'd be, yeah, because it'd be a great service. That'd be great for just like even people to get out of the house. Yeah, because you know, instead of just going to shop, because shops for a while, like I remember during lockdown, shops are so stressful. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it isn't like you can't just go and browse shop. You feel like you have to go in and go out. And there's there can be lots of people or people around you. But like that sounds like that could be relaxing. Plus, you get the whole kind of thrill of like, oh, sweet. No, that's that book I wanted to read. Yeah, you well, know? like that's it. Like we kind of need the books to keep us sane. Like there's only so much TV and banana bread <laughs> that you can yeah. like watch and make. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Books are just better for the noggin in general. Yeah. But, but um. But like it's a good solitary activity that's like rewarding. It's actually the perfect thing for lockdown, really. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I found out they were closing. So then I ended up going to, up to Universal Books and bought four books <laughs> 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 to keep me going. 
unreal. But uh, yeah, it was like I, I got a American Psycho. Uh, oh, nice. got Farewell to Arms by Hemingway and yeah. Breakfast of Champions by Kurt Vonnegut. Oh, and oh, I got nice. uh, Alan de Botton, Constellations of Philosophy. That's, he's oh, the guy cool. that does uh, School of Life, if you watch that YouTube channel. I'm not. Yeah. But let's hear about it. <laughs> you have, actually, because I sent you the video on Spinoza. Oh, yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, probably have through you. Like, but I suppose I'm, um, I'm going to assume that you've done more of like a deep dive than, say, I would have. Uh, I don't know about deep dive, but I've been following them for a while, yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. that uh, Spinoza, that was from them. They're actually the last, <clears throat> like, sometimes they're, I don't get much out of their videos. I'm like, ah, it's okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, that one, I, I was like, this is a really good video. I watched it. I think I watched it at least one more time after that. Mm-hmm. And then like, I know, there's another one they did recently that was really good too. I don't know. I think maybe they've upped their game recently or something. Yeah, the man just oh, well, the man just figured out how to get better. <laughs> You're saying I, if their game. I think it's more. I think it might be more of like. A, there's only so much you can do. I think it's kind of the other. Like they probably they've covered so much. It's kind of hard to come up with new good ideas. Yeah, that's quite true. Yeah, because they've been going for a long time. That can happen. Because they even uh they did that video on Spinoza, but then I looked up they did an older video on like Spinoza specifically that was like on one element of his philosophy where they did another video just on him. Yeah, on like, this was the man behind the philosophy kind of thing. But, um, yeah, because I went, so I went out of Universal Books because I was like, ah, need some books, may as well. Like, they, I knew they were going to be closing for the month as well. So I was like, fuck it. Yeah. Give them a bit of support too. They were saying that they sell, they sold like <laughs> loads of books that day as well. Everyone <laughs> had the same idea. Just like going yeah. up. I don't, that, that would have brought a smile to your face, so you'd be glad to hear that. Like, yeah. just, I suppose just, I don't know, for anybody like since you know that Universal Books is like a small, like, uh, secondhand bookshop in our town. Like, that's also yeah. really a part of the town. It's been there for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Like, and I'm 27. Universal so. Records as well. And That's right. I remember that actually. Yeah. <laughs> and then when CDs and all, I suppose, went out the window, they had to up the game to books. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think they had both for a while. They had Universal Records on use for books, mm. and then they kind of. I think they 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 probably still do or would sell any records. That, like if somebody oh yeah, they do. Them, like, they definitely do. Like, do you remember there being two, or am I wrong? I I do remember definitely Universal Records for books, but I feel like it definitely was both at the time. Yeah, there was both, and then like, one, and then they just became one. Yeah, yeah, but I I feel but, yeah. like even though they became one, I'm pretty sure they were just. They were the same person, but then he was just like, yeah. Yeah, no, they were. They were, but they just. I think they had books in one shop and records in another. Now it's all together in the one. Oh yeah, that's that's what I mean. Yeah, I think I think I remember that. Yeah, it was two separate places, but I think it was still always like the same person. But like then they were just like, but yeah, we're saying it's like a we. um, Yeah, it's kind of part of the community and. Mm. Like you know, you're happier to see people go there than like the Easons in town. Like yeah. Because like that's, that's an decent like that's probably like, and you were saying they they're second hand but they they've started doing new stuff as well like the um American Psycho Farewell to Arms and Breakfast of Champions they're all new books and they do class. like uh, they're like they do a, a good wee deal so they're seven euro each but then you get three for a fiver that's real 
And then the other, the other book I got was a five, or sorry, three for 15, so five each is what I meant. And then the other mm. book was a five as well, so I got four books for 20 quid, which is pretty fucking sweet. Yeah, that's that's pretty, that's class. You wouldn't get that on Book Depository. Yeah, because it wouldn't, and that's usually pretty cheap. <laughs> that's that's where yeah, I get all my shit anyway, so like... Yeah, it's really good, like... Mm. You can get a lot of good books in Book Depository, but you don't get a lot of good deals now, do you? <laughs> Um, they apparently always have sales but i don't i think that's just like a false thing where they actually don't always have sales it's just usually like that's the price they want for it yeah <laughs> but it is handy yeah although i noticed sometimes i was looking up on amazon sometimes their prices are cheaper but then you have to in, incorporate like add on uh delivery so it's like i don't know yeah, but isn't like Book Depository like in some way affiliated with Amazon as well? Well, Amazon bought them, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that. What the fuck doesn't Amazon own like between? So I think, but I think maybe if you're if you're like buying enough books to go over, so you don't have to pay delivery <clears throat> fee on Amazon, you might actually be better using Amazon. Yeah. If you know Does that make sense? Get that next day delivery with Prime. Get a wee drone to your house from Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> Any more news? Bought some books. Been that's, doing some reading. It's nice. All the huge. What about you? Um, kind of same. Early shift this week. Kind of just getting ready to move. And the car broke down on Tuesday and I had to get a rental car. Oh, what? Good shit. But however, I do think this is funny. My rental car was a 192, which is like 10 years newer than my own car. And I was like, this is just mean. Like, I wanted just <laughs> another car of my year. Like, this car is too nice for me to drive. <laughs> but, um,. Apart from all that, yeah, I haven't been doing much uh, really. Apart from like going to work towards reading, I'm a, I'm almost finished actually. Murakami's Size of the Border, West of the Sun, and I've started like the first chapter of that one you gave me, the Star of the Sea. Oh um, yeah. Um. So I'm kind of gonna like try and the Murakami one's only 187 pages, but it's very like I feel like I can talk about this. I don't want to talk about the other one yet until I'm either like halfway through or like further through to then talk about yeah. it with you, if you know what I mean. Um, geez, Murakami is just unreal at making like almost boring or mundane life kind of somewhat poetic. Like, yeah, he's right. Like this, really this one's nice all thing. about him. This is well, it's not about him. This one is all about the main character growing up as like an only child. And like, I'm gonna guess since like 60s Japan, which is apparently it was at the time he's like the only only child he knows, except for this one other girl, Shen Moto. And then he like they you know they drift apart. He grows up. Gets a wife, has two kids, then she comes back into his life. They met at 12, or they last seen each other at 12, and she shows up at 37, and it's just kind of him reconnecting with an old childhood friend. But, like, it's just it's very, very good. Like, just even the way he's talking. Like, he chats about, like, the first kind of experience he had with a girl was, like, with her, and they just held hands for, like, 10 seconds, and he never forgot it. It's so sweet and innocent. <laughs> and then, you know, he goes to, like, teenage years, and he gets a lot less, not, like, even a lot less, like, not, like, vulgar or anything. But um, one thing I did find funny is I know that in real life, uh, Haruki Murakami was the manager of a jazz bar in Tokyo at 29. And like okay. he talked about jazz a lot in his book and his books and stuff. And then he just got an idea one day and he went and he, over the course of nine months, wrote his first book. And that's actually how he started writing. He was just like, fuck it, I've got an idea for a book. And he went and wrote a book. But in this uh, book, the main character at 37 is the manager of two jazz bars. But what I know from working in service, what I find hilarious is there's a lot of parts where he's chatting about being a manager and he's like, he's, he's always good at like paying, he always pays his staff, he pays his staff well, he's good at like picking staff and stuff like that. But he chats a lot about just sitting at a bar reading a book or like just like doing nothing in his bars. And I'm like, 
some kind of manager you are anyway <laughs> typical manager <laughs> like it's like, it's, it's like so many managers like uh, it's just like you know work really hard i'm good to my staff and everything and he's like i sat down and like was, was reading this at work today and it's like just be managing these bars like is this what you didn't realize were you actually just pure lazy but um i was I thought that was cool i thought it was interesting that like just it's kind of set in, like a 1970s japan i don't know it's not like it's not like a big part of dory i suppose except maybe for kind of the culture if you know what i mean i feel like it's kind yeah. of a cool cool window into that and the kind of culture of what i'd imagine well like i don't know because i've you know, never been to japan especially in the 1970s. So like kind of the way that might, might've been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's always, that's why I like reading those kind of books where like it's set in the past and you just get this, like it's such a more like direct feeling insight into what it's like than just reading about the facts of what it's like. Yeah. It's like you get a feel for the time. Yeah. Like, like I actually find that that was very, that's what I find with, the the Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead. When I read that, I felt like I could really feel like the South of America in the sixties. At like like so that like when this is going on, it's like the prime of the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King Jr. But this is also like a South, the kind of like deeper South. So yeah, that may be going on in America, but that's not really going on in this part of America. So it's, you kind of get a good sense yeah. of like you can see the main character who's black, like who's really like inspired Martin Luther King Jr., which makes sense like look into this guy but like he doesn't have this in his time you know he can't you know there is a black community but it's they can't exactly go march, marching and then sometimes there is like the protest and stuff kind of or they, like that's not really a big part of it the protest or anything it was kind of more in the background but you do get a feel of what it was like and he's also very good at explaining what it's like in very humid weather and heat or something <laughs> you know you get a whole sense of that the time the atmosphere the climate everything yeah well, that's that's why I like the Star of the Sea as well. It's the same some same kind of thing. Like, mm. well, like Nickel, just... Nickel Boys is sorry, sorry to Nickel Boys is historical fiction as well. Yeah. You're saying you're getting into that. Well, I have been for a while. Kind of, I just mm. kind of fell into. I it. didn't even realize it was a genre. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was like, because I was just kind of myself calling it like historical fiction. I was like, oh wait, that is actually what it's called. But uh, yeah, like. There's just uh like even more so than a, a movie or whatever like when you're reading it and you're especially if it's in like a f- first person perspective and you're you can kind of feel what they were feeling and everything it's like it's just a really nice way to like learn about history I think yeah I think so like I felt that as well when I was listening to Trevor Noah's Born a Crime because obviously he lived through it and it's his personal experience rather than as you're saying like facts about apartheid like you know the fact of apartheid was that you know they separated blacks and whites and they discriminated blacks it's like you like that's a very well-known fact that's what it was yeah. but then you hear him like talking about walking around the street or not being allowed in certain areas and it just gives yeah, you a different sense really of what like it's like experience yeah, yeah like it reminds me of uh, a, a quote i heard from uh, ernest hemingway and he was talking about like the goal for when you're writing should be that the person reading it should forget whether they would they just read it or if they actually experienced it themselves like it should be like where you uh you can't even remember if like if it's a real memory or not and i was like that's pretty interesting i think i think it was my dad told me something before about that as well about how like you can you can 
you can like forget you you could have read a book like whenever you were a kid like i read the hobbit loads when i was a kid but i haven't read it in years so i couldn't tell you the first sentence or anything like that i still remember the gist of the story actually maybe it's about that but like say if you read a book and you really enjoyed but it's been years I suppose he's like you know 67 he's a lot older than us so he might have read a book he could have read a book that he remembers like 40 years ago and he can still kind of remember sort of how he felt about the book but not even remember the book itself if you get what i mean just like yeah. that there's like an imprint of like the experience of reading the book that yeah, well, would have would have left something on him as well but yeah yeah that's like um i was actually watching a video today on uh you know coco the pixar movie yeah and he was talking about how the there's a scene in it where like um or the kid in it plays a wee tune for the grandmother. She's Coco, is she? I think that's I, I actually haven't seen it, so I don't know. I can't remember, but I think he said that the granny was the one called Coco, which I had forgotten. Mm. <laughs> but uh, she like comes out of this like stupor and she like starts remembering things. And then he was saying like, "This is actually a thing that happens." And that's and what's actually happening whenever music triggers memory and people with like dementia and stuff is it's going to that emotional center. It's passing bypassing the. I can't the logic remember. and stuff. I can't remember the names of the different. Um, There's probably like your frontal brain. lobe or cortex, or yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. Like, I can't, and I, I wouldn't off the top of my head, but it's bypassing yeah. so like the frontal yeah, lobe to go to the cortex or something. Yeah, like it's that. bypassing all like the, the the normal parts of memory, but it's triggering the emotional place, which is like what your dad was saying. It's like the, our emotions are like they become more hard hardwired. So once you can like uh, start. Um, like um interacting with them it's like you can un- unlock all these new memories Was yeah I, like did, it... did i talk to you about that uh album by uh care the caretaker no i don't think so i watched a video on it it's hectic Why? <laughs> 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 uh just let me just get this uh get the name of it up here Everywhere at the end of time is the name of the album, hmm. and it's like uh, six six and a half hours, <laughs> and it's in six stages, hmm. and it's about like that. The whole album was about that experience of like making of like someone losing their memories and everything. So the first <sighs> the first stage is he like made all this music. It sounds like music from like the um. What year? What did it be? Like the fifties or something, maybe, or maybe earlier. All that kind of like swing ragtime, like old jazzy yeah, kind of stuff. So it's like, and that's kind of like the first step. It's like he made all this stuff, so it's like familiar, but you can't quite place it. So that's mm. almost like the first, the first layer of disintegration. It's like, oh, this is familiar, but I don't know if I've heard it before. And then like each stage after that, it's like something. Sometimes the song, like it's, it's like basically, so it's, it's basically repeating that album again, but it's like more distorted and stuff so like the next time maybe a song will stop a little bit abruptly or it'll skip or just go to silence for a bit and it's like each stage has become more and more like unrecognizable as it goes on but there's a really good video of a guy like he he decided to to give himself a day where he listened to the whole album it's like i'm because he was like i feel like i need to like properly experience this i can't just like put it on i want i want to like uh, engage with it properly so he gives himself a day and he listens to the whole six and a half hours and then puts his experience in the video so you can kind of get the get it yourself like and he says it's just like fucking 
ridiculously like emotional and moving. I think there's even a you know uh, Anthony Fantano, the guy from the Needle Drop. Do you know the Needle Drop? Yeah, I've heard the name before. So you were cutting out a bit there. Kind of got, I think, most of what you were saying, but you kind of kept cutting out every couple of words there for a second. Great. <laughs> you seem to be back now, though. You're saying needle drop? Go on, explain that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, did you hear what I was saying about the guy watching, or he listened to the whole album and then recorded the video, and he said it's really emotional? No, I, I kind of got bits of that, but then I didn't hear it was like a separate guy. I thought it was the guy that made it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'll try again. So yeah. a guy, a guy, uh, like he decided to put a day aside to listen to the whole album and really get the experience of it, mm. and he then he made a video so you can kind of get the experience in like a twenty minute video, which is nice of him. Yeah, uh, and uh, also gives you an idea if you want to maybe try and give yourself, you know, you're yeah. fourth trying to set around set aside to six and a half hours. Yeah, and I think like uh, I think there's a fo- there's footage somewhere <laughs> on Anthony Fantano from the Needle Drop, like listening to it on a stream or something and crying and everything. But wow, it's like on the last on the last stage, like everything's like nothing's recognizable. It's pretty much just silence. But then in the very last like minute or something, a wee melody breaks through from like the first the first stage. And it's just like supposed to be this amazingly emotional moment. And it and that that is what it's like when you've got dementia. It's like the music that you is like hardwired into your youth. That just like that's the only thing that makes sense when your brain is at like it's the only thing that can kind of punch through because as you're saying it's still like so that's kind of interesting because it shows that like the emotional kind of core that we can hold to things yeah. we can hold to anything which we can hold to like a book obviously or to music as well which is really big because like there's always like music defines a generation yeah. and music can define you and all well, that but that's, like, that's that kind of interesting how, in, how indestructible that seems to be well it's not even indestructible but how that's the, the that's the spear that can penetrate the kind of yeah like this, the video I watched today, uh, where they use Coco, that's a channel called Sideways, they're very good as well, like mm. a music YouTube channel. But he went into explaining why that happens, and he was saying, like, which I'm sure you've heard before, but it's like whenever you're in your teens, that kind of music is the music that you'll listen to the, for the rest of your life. Yeah, he was, he was saying it's like, uh, the way your brain wires itself, and especially when you're a teenager and you're more susceptible to these things, like, that's why you're more susceptible to like. You know, if you drink or take drugs, you're more susceptible to becoming addicted. Mm. He was saying, like, your brain, the reason that you, like, kind of get addicted to food, for example, is because your brain is like, oh, this is pleasurable and I need it. Therefore, your brain goes, okay, that's really good to make you seek these things out that are good for your survival. Yeah. So whenever you're at that age and you hear a song that, like, has this amazing emotional like resonance with resonance you. with you your brain goes that's class <laughs> and then it goes listen to that again <laughs> and then like and then it goes yeah because like, i would have noticed that you know whenever you're a teenager you would have like sometimes if you find a song that you loved and you listen to it yeah to death which you can still kind of do now but you'd still even more pace yourself even you know, it's like maturity but if you love a song you might not like but whenever you're a teenager you might be like listening yeah to no it, I, haven't repeat, done that with, like, I haven't done that with individual songs since i was a teenager yeah like yeah, because like even now, if you were to listen to a song like repeatedly, you probably at least have two or three in between. Like that, you know yeah. what I mean? You're gonna at least have some. Yeah, whenever you're a teenager, you could be lying in bed at night, listen to like the same song for like the same three minute song for like an hour before you go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, just proper like this, like that's so great. Like that, oh, people, 
I just don't understand. And you get drunk and you show everybody about 20 times. You force <laughs> people to listen to it. Like, be like, oh, have you not heard the song? It's like, yeah, Thomas, you showed me about 20 times. Like, yeah, but listen yeah, to it again. Thomas, it's like, not this, this airway this. again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like fucking, what is it? What's the Rebird song? Or... No, Blue Monday, isn't it? That's the one in like, oh, um, yeah. Blue Monday. Like, where do you hear this? Like, this is fucking, I remember I was saying that to, to somebody the other day and they were on about like do you mean like that song that's like from like that's from like the 90s or something isn't it or like possibly even 80 i think 80s, 80s actually. I think. the 80s and they were like because Ke- i remember kelly chatting about before she was being in a room and a guy busting at a party pure fucked obviously being like where do you hear this song and everyone's gonna be like what do you mean that song it's like 30 years old <laughs> it's not like it's fucking like, brand, I, I do brand joke. it's like are you even having a session if no one puts on blue monday like yeah because <laughs> yeah, like, it's like the most stereotypical one it just has just... to go on at some point like <laughs> yeah like six in the morning and everyone's like oh <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so it's basically saying that's why you don't, like, that's why your taste becomes so rooted, because, like, once your brain goes class and it gets that reward all the time, it, like, it's like, why would I bother listening to anything else? It's like, I can just listen to this and get that same feeling over and over again. Yeah, yeah, like, it's it's almost like, a, like an inherent laziness. It's like, why go searching for something when it's right here in front of you? And actually, I just realized that's why, like, there's an album that I always listen to if I'm, like, it's like, this is from... Uh, a much more recent album, I think, came out maybe three years ago, Oof. three or three or four years ago. Um, but at the time, it like really helped me through like an emotional period. And now, anytime I need, like, a, I've I've anytime I'm like I need emotional support, I like put on that album and I get the same thing. And I just realized, yeah. I just realized in talking to you that that's that's what's happening. It's because I've made this emotional connection. And my brain is going, okay, <laughs> that gives you that feeling now when you really need it. And it's like, oh. that That makes sense. Because, like, I suppose for me, out of a recent album, like, out of that in my teenage years, was you actually showed me Elsie by the Horrible Crows when mm. I was in hospital with uh, cancer. Oh, that's weird. I listened to that recently. Oh, really? <laughs> like, that's, that's actually one, that one I would turn back to. Because you always told me that, isn't it, Brian Fallon said, like, this is, like, nighttime music. Yeah, yeah. And whenever I like couldn't uh, sleep a lot in the hospital because you'd just show me that album, like, and obviously I love the Gaslight Anthem. I at least listen to that album a lot in hospital, and like when I was completely like alone at like three in the morning, I couldn't sleep, and uh, that would be like one for me. That'd be like out of out of recent memory, like you know what I mean. You have your teenage yeah. years one, but out of recent memory, that would probably be it for me. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's nice. There's perfect nighttime music. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's just <laughs> yes. very like sparse, and he he sings kind of quietly and stuff like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not, there's no Quite like intimate sounding. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Intimate's probably the best way to put it. But yeah, that's what that's what that video I watched sideways was explaining that, like, once you have those, once it becomes like emotionally associated, then it's like so more ingrained in your memory. And that's exactly what's happening when someone remembers music from their childhood and they have dementia because it's going to that part, that part of your brain, it still seems to survive even when you have like dementia or whatever yeah i think that's almost that is interesting because i do remember seeing a video before and it was very touching and it was this old man and they showed him like the like as you're saying yeah, i think they used that just... clip or they used that clip of an old man but i'd never seen it like he he really went into like the explanation of it which i hadn't i didn't know about before interesting it's very interesting like how they can get so ingrained in us yeah. Like you know, you know, 
like that's like guess as I'm saying is like that's the unbreakable part or the unpenetrable part or the only thing that can penetrate the what seems to be unbreakable, which is dementia. Like yeah. that's insane. How the hell did we get onto this? <laughs> um, I don't know because I remember we were talking. About, I remember we were talking about books. We were talking about Murakami. Yeah. Oh, and we're then, talking about historical fiction. And then <laughs> that's right, historical fiction. Yeah. And then after a series of tangents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even like historical fiction, that's a pretty big stretch as well. <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty. I'm proud of us for somehow linking those two together, but anyway. Yeah. Um, I think. Um, I was gonna, actually, I was going to say about historical fiction, funnily enough, one of the most, I suppose, kind of the most famous like works of historical fiction, or at least one of the most famous of this author, of course, Philip K. Dick. As I actually quite like. Hey. Um, yeah, <laughs> listening to the, <laughs> listening to the Glass Cannon podcast, they have uh, one guy who. Oh uh, yeah, he really likes him. Yeah, he really likes him too. Which of course I like. They called it dick pics, and I was like, I can't believe I never fucking thought of that. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. It, it becomes like a, he keeps bringing him up or something, and they they're they're on about yeah, yeah, they have, segment. Yeah, whenever they have a segment, he brings it up. He has he has his dick pics. But I was going to say, uh, the man <laughs> in high high castle is historical fiction because that's about the. Axis winning the war. I had to think there who were the allies and who were the Axis. This is like I suppose. No, it actually is classified, which is again I think. But I always thought like it's not really historical fiction. It's yeah, not. Really it's alternative. more alternate reality. But like yeah, it was al- alternative history is what I would call well, it. Maybe, but at least I know at least was sorry. It was originally billed as like science fiction and historical fiction, which was like that's mm. kind of was possibly one of the reasons maybe why it got popular at the time. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it is kind of both of them together. Which makes it not historical fiction, but I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I call it like alternative was... history, but I suppose alternative history is those two things combined, isn't it? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. Is like I don't think it's alternate, or it could have been like, but it wasn't like marketed as alternative history at the time. Yeah. It was marketed as historical fiction, which I kind of like the idea of someone picking it up, being like, ah, oh. and then oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Right. <laughs> What's this pure fucking mad story? <laughs> uh, anyway, this is going to be a good segue for me to go to the toilet again. I've drank too much wine tonight. Oh I'll my be right god! Back. <laughs> I better go too. <laughs> yeah. Race. Hello. Hello, dear. <laughs> Actually, fucking stabbed me a wee bit. I didn't think you were there for a second. <laughs> Um, that reminds me of uh, something I've been watching recently, actually. Oh, what have you been watching? Uh, well, it's just a YouTube uh, channel, but he's been doing a series on the Goodwill Hunting, and he's a counsellor, so he's been like analysing all the therapy scenes from Goodwill Hunting one at a time. Class. Can I, before you go on, yeah. can I say one funny thing about Goodwill Hunting to do with me? Mm, I'll allow it. I have tried to finish that movie five times. I've actually, honest to God, sat down to watch it five times, and every single time, something has happened that has caused me to stop watching it. <laughs> I've never. I've literally. I've gotten about like three quarters in before, but like, I've, like I know a good the most part of that movie because I've seen it almost five times. But just like there was like like twice was in the Grove, and about like one day, like both days, like fucking five or six people showed up at the one time. 
you know, you can't continue watching. Yeah. And there was another time something else happened. Another time something else was like, God damn it, I need to finish that movie someday. But I know like the first three quarters like really well. I feel like it was before <laughs> for some reason. Oh, really? Well, I probably have told you it before. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before. Well, no, I think we were, I feel like we were, we were talking about like uh, whenever you, you don't finish a movie and then it's so hard to go back to. That's true. That's probably it. Yeah, but like I always made a point because I really, every time I've watched good, any part of Good Will Hunting, I've really enjoyed it. It's very good, yeah. And just the fact as well, I always love whenever you watch movies because that was like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon's like first one, wasn't it? And they kind of like did it themselves. Yeah, I think so. That's where they started. Kind of. And now they're massive. Yeah. yeah. Massive. Yeah, they, it is actually mad how, how, how big they are now when you think, when you look back. Damon was not. Did you? But yeah, it's cool. Uh, sorry, sorry, you go on ahead. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say about the series. It's really cool. It's like you realize, it's like I thought it was really good anyway. And then, like, seeing how it's like how good it actually is, it's like, wow. <laughs> kind of like you know, whenever you whenever you kind of get like almost like a technical aspect to it, like, yeah. If you know, like, it's always cool because I know what was it you were saying? Oh, yeah, it was like you saying recently to me. Off, off air. Mm-hmm. I believe as we say in the biz, off, uh, off mic. Um, that you were chatting about how you were like looking up. You sent me that guy Jerry Jenkins, the reading tech, the sorry, the writing techniques, and how there's someone you'd been using it anyway. Oh, yeah. And you were like, "Oh, this is nice to know that like it's it's a it's, it's a good it's a good thing to do," <laughs> which is nice. Which you can you can naturally learn how to do something that's been done before, and then you find out that like, oh, this is the way like professionals or people do it. Yeah. So, well, it was like the. I, re- I watched the one on who's talking about how to like write sh- short stories mm. and it's like stuff he was saying about like oh you know it's good to you should really like try and you know there's no point in going for a novel or whatever it's like learn short stories first I, I, I know grant morrison um he's the he's a very very big comic book writer and he was uh like like he's, he's massive he's like an industry legend now and he started off would have been in like British comics because he's Scottish and would have been like 2000 AD and other stuff. And there's a thing that used to be in British comics and still like, I think it's still a term in the comic industry called a future shock. And a future shock is a four page story at max. And that story has to be complete in four comic book pages. Like that, that's uh, it. Yeah, I, I remember like, yeah, I remember seeing those in comics. It's like just a wee, a wee like really quick kind of thing in the middle of a comic. Yeah. And he was saying that that's how he learned how to write because he was like, how do you, because it's like you're putting yourself in something restrictive, but then how do you write a good story in that? And that's how, you, and like, that's what I mean. He's one of like the industry legends that he yeah. figured out how to write. He figured out how to write a story in four pages. So he was like, then also from that, you figure out how to tell everything in one panel or half a page or a page. And then he's like, then yeah. you just figure out how to tell a longer form story because of that. But there's yeah. a, there's an there's an awful lot of full novels that started off as like shorter stories, and they get made yeah. into it, or even like movies or TV shows that are based on books that they've had to like obviously, you know, fat them up. Yeah, <laughs> well, like Arrival was a short story. Was it? Oh, that's right. It was written yeah. by the. That's right. It says it at the end, isn't it? I can't remember the name yeah. of the guy now. I can't remember either. I I think I ordered that book from the library though, mm. but not to wait a month. <laughs> I remember as well, because The Secret Life of Walter Mitty is a short story, and I watched that movie, and I read the short story, and the short story is very short as far as I remember, like only like 10 pages. That's one of those movies right. that I thought was a real, like, I think still think that movie's a pure, like, hidden gem. Ben Stiller movie, it's just, I don't know, I found it wild. Yeah, I, I, watched, I watched it recently, actually, it's pretty good. And then I watched, yeah. uh, actually watched it recently, Lessons, or, 
like stories of old he did a video on it about like maladaptive daydreaming which is basically what that's about mm. it's like have you heard that term maladaptive daydreaming i haven't but i'm gonna guess it's essentially just where you daydream yourself in like another life sort of is it or like it's to, deal, to deal with your life sort of or like, a, kind of... yeah it's almost like a like chronic daydreaming <laughs> Where it's like you instead of like like doing anything, you end up like disappearing into a fantasy world, and it can become like quite destructive and all. But I, I think de- I brought de- up that. that was definitely me in school. Like I used to sit there yeah. and just have to have a continuing daydream for like most of the day. Like, but yeah, um, I think I brought up that channel before, like stories of old, because he's very good at like you know combining those kind of things, like like that's a psychological term. Or like philosophy, but then like related back to to like a um, me- uh, something like a book or a movie, like media that's yeah. been kind of explored or used. In. Yeah, I think actually last time I brought up the videos he did on uh, stoicism. He did like two videos on stoicism. One was in uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption, and another one was on Gladiator. I always find it. Uh funny in a Shawshank Redemption as to I only know this because I actually haven't read it my brother has do you know why Red the character is called Red in the movie and, and in the book rectal bleeding he's a ginger Irishman <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, not, not rectal bleeding at all not, not, not the rectal bleeding then <laughs> no, no, no close very close <laughs> very close almost there like you were one off <laughs> It was one or the other, like yeah, like a, I'm sure it was like a coin toss for you. You're like, no, nah, it couldn't be a ginger Irishman. It must be rectal bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> this is when this is when all the listeners dropped off. Yeah, oh, <laughs> and this was the the last one. No, I'm just... <laughs> when both our listeners stopped. Yeah, <laughs> what when me and you stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i've been thinking about that a lot because i've been still trying to get back into like writing some writing some of my longer stuff but i keep trying to also do sometimes if i can shorter stuff as well because i do feel like that's like same as like learning to walk before you run it's, yeah like, it really that's, is what, like, that's why i brought that up because he talks about in the short story video it's like saying that you should do that it's like because basically i had an idea for a novel but i was like I need to learn to like do the the smaller version first. Yeah, and kind of what like because like sometimes I'm like, why am I writing these things? And then, but I do feel like it, it basically is just because I want to learn. Mm. Which I, like, think I feel a, like I'm a bit overly like, ambitious at times because of stuff like that. But I do sometimes try and break stuff up to be like, if you take almost a chapter as a short story, or like yeah. you know what I mean, or like you know like a lot you know like a lot of books can be in like three parts, so it is the same yeah. story, but it's three because like the, the um the nickel boys is in three parts and it is it is pretty much in like an intro middle and an end but it's kind yeah. of like character it's kind of like character set up to the nickel academy and the people there set up to like the conclusion of the the story yeah well that's kind of like that's why i was reading that uh into the woods book as well and the story structure which i finished it was very good mm. but like that's a good way to it's like it's a summer kind of thing it's like you can like they talk about the fractal nature of storytelling it's like the story will have a f- five act structure or it could be three act but like basically it's three a, act a f- structure is also a five act structure remember you saying that before if you break down a three act you can break down isn't it usually the second act yeah. into like three extra parts sort of 
Yeah. But then like each act is also a three a three part structure. So it's like it's he talks about in like um there's insight and incident, which usually happens at the end of act one. Mm. But if you look at act one, there's usually a minor insight and incident at the very start, and then that gets resolved, and then that becomes like and then and then there's a crisis point. And your crisis point in the story will happen at like the end of the second last act or the start of the last act. So your but your first act will also have a crisis point, and that's the inciting incident of the whole thing. So it's like this fractal nature. And then if you go to a scene, your scene should also follow this kind of like it's like everything is like the one form expanded outwards. So it's like like you're saying, it's like you divide it into parts, look at it in short yeah. stories. It's like you should be that is actually kind of how you should be doing it. Like each chapter should have these elements of the bigger. Yeah, and like if you and if you look deep enough, probably all stories will, in some way, shape, or form, follow either that structure or a variation of that structure to a very yeah similar or some kind. And the of thing extent. is, you don't have to you don't have to think about it too much. You say and like, it's like I I did use it to structure that that uh, short story I was working on, and it, mm. it it really helped like clarify some things. But like also oh. you can't like it's it's intuitive like there's the reason it's 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 so ubiquitous is not because everyone is like let's follow this structure it's because that just is the satisfying way to tell a story yeah like it's 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 fractal it's also a mirror image usually where like the you have the rising action to the midpoint and then it de-escalates but there's also like the thing that happens in the first like quarter will happen in the third quarter like there's a it's just the way that, and he's saying too, like it might not happen the first draft, but then as you, as you're tweaking with it, you'll usually end up just making it more like that structure because you realize as you're editing that this is how it becomes more satisfying. Because you always fix it in the edit. That's where you read. That's if you read like I think if you read it like any writing thing, that's what they always usually say is like get your first draft done, but you'll fix yeah. any problems with your first draft. And, and like, I can't remember what some like famous writer just said, fix it with the rewrite. That was a simple, that was simple. Yeah. Like his simple like motto was fix it in a rewrite. But for the first draft, it was just get it done, get it on the paper. Cause I remember yeah, even, like, like, even Neil Gaiman saying that. Like, he was, oh, sorry. Hemingway too. It's like you, you write it and then you rewrite it and then you might even rewrite it again. And then you edit it a couple of times. Yeah. Like, he is very, uh, he was like all about, but that's his whole thing. It's like, I hear, and you put it really nicely. It's like uh, paring down, not spreading out. Mm. It's like it's all about, which is what I've been enjoying too. Because like I finished that story I was writing, mm. and like did the first pass of the edit anyway. But it's like it's really satisfying to be like to chip away all the the extra stuff that you ha- included the first time around and just get it like really like tight. It's like it's like oh, yeah, yeah. like even. Good. even- even that guy, we were listening to that guy, Jerry Jenkins. If anybody's listening, you should look up some of the stuff if you're interested in writing. Owen just showed me uh, a video on dialogue and thought it was really interesting. Yeah, it was, he was, he, that, he, that video was really helpful. It was very Yeah, helpful. like I listened to it on the whole drive home and I was like, there's just pure enthralled. I was saying, well, one, he had a great voice for narration, yeah. I thought as well, which just helped. But like, as he was saying about like, just like, he was kind of saying, like, because he, I can't remember the example top of my head, but he was given an example of like, uh, I'll see if I can come up with one. It was like he said to them that they should go there, and then he would say something like, "He said, go there." You know, it's like the same thing being said with yeah. less words. Like, like, like uh, yeah, it's like 
you separate the action from the from the dialogue so it's like um or yeah he did the thing something like i'm beat he said flopping down in the couch yeah, oh, that was like the flopping down on the couch. Yeah, that was about like the expression, wasn't or, it? Yeah, or you can just say he flopped down the couch. I'm beat. You don't even have to say he said. It's like you can leave that out if you have the action that he did and then the words. It's like yeah, and you don't. It's not him explaining. I'm so tired. It's yeah. you know. It's not like it's not like which is like because what is it he said as well? Which is very much so. He was like, have respect for your reader. It was yeah. like you know, have like you know, have enough confidence that the person read. Like you don't have to. You don't have to spell it out for them. Can... Yeah, that's something I've been conscious of, but it's like I don't know. I don't know if I've got the hang of it yet. It's like, it's like I'm writing something, and I as the story's unfolding, I know what's coming next, and I'm like trying to work out. It's like has the reader worked worked this out yet? Have I put enough in so they worked it out? So mm-hmm. then when I reveal it, I don't want to like spell it out. I want to like subtly reveal it. Yeah, uh, you, the, the, it's like was it the thing? If a person's reading it, they should they should already know themselves without actually knowing. It's something like that. They should like whenever a, re- a reveal of like anything, like a twist or something happens, it shouldn't. It, there's there's a fine line between it should be surprising but expected at the same time. It should be inevitable. It should be inevitable it, but not obvious. Yeah, that's it. That's a far better way of putting it. Um. But um, yeah, because he, I think he mentioned stuff like that. So, which so yeah, like it's like every, every, by the time you get to the end, everything that's like been mentioned should, uh, like logically conclude in some way. But you also don't yeah. want it to be like really predictable. Yeah, you don't want it to just be so for fine line. For for yeah, yeah, exactly. It is a fine line, and that's probably where like a lot of like the main skill comes in. Yeah, in that kind of a sense. But I was going to say, because I always remember that, like, Neil Gaiman said that when I went to see him at the National Literature Festival, and he was like, I still uh, don't even consider myself the best writer. I just consider myself as a very good editor. And he yeah. was like, he was saying that, like, he would consider himself that, like, he was talking very much about that, of how, like, the first draft of, like, you know, you get it down, and you get it down. You just get down everything in your head, every possible yeah, like there could be, there's probably a lot of shit in there. But the thing is, is like you can always take that out. Yeah. You just need, to, but if you don't ever put it down, and it might not ever appear, so you could end up missing the good stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I am looking forward to when I move to my new place. I've got like a whole idea in my head of how I'm actually going to be able to form a routine more. Very nice. I'm going to try and use what was usually my commuting time as to being my more of like reading and writing time. Because that's still like you know, I technically I'm taking away that part of my day still, but using it like more productively, and I'll also be less tired, so I feel like I can use it more productively. Nice one. Yeah, that you probably should just edit that out. Just thinking, that's just me chatting to my friend. That's just me on that's not me on a podcast. Huh? <laughs> so huh? you should edit all that out. That's me chatting to my friend. That's not me fucking chatting on a podcast. It's like no one, no one cares. Uh- that's all right. <laughs> I was going to ask you what the crack is with, like, the, with the moving and everything. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, I should be moving um, uh, this time next week, really. I uh, just need to find somebody for my gaff here. But had a few, and hopefully that'll go well. I've got Finian and Cormac on the job, too. So hopefully in a week it'll all be set. Sweet. I've got the place and everything, so I'm all set up on that. It's just trying to get rid of this place in Galway. Oh, is that what you're on about with the view? And is someone coming to view the gap you're currently in? Yeah. Oh, did you take it the other way? 
Yeah, um, I thought you were still. So you've got to play sorted. Okay, that's pretty. Yeah, I've got to play sorted. Yeah, fucking, it's, it's a wee granny flat at like the back of somebody's house, like for the garage, but it's nice. It's cozy. It's got a back boiler and a fire, and that just it's my own place. Nice. All all bills included. Uh, that's heating, electricity, bins, and internet for eight hundred quid a month, which isn't actually that bad for like for everything I'm getting. It's like it's actually a really really nice place. That's not so bad. You're looking forward to moving. Yeah, I'm just really kind of extra kind of. I was I was chatting to Kelly about this. I'm trying to use this. I think I've got a six month contract there, but I'll probably be like going to like a year with my contract of work. I'm gonna try and use that space as like a place of like personal growth. Mm. You, you know what I mean? Try and use it as a place to like read and to write. And I'll actually be able. I was thinking about it. I'll be able to actually take down my keyboard there, and actually have the space because it's my own space. Kind of put that up too, and try and get back into playing a bit of music and stuff again. You know, try, like that's what I mean about like trying really. My plan is to use that time so effectively. Yeah. You know, for myself, and also teach myself how to play Dungeons and Dragons while playing by myself because I'm that <laughs> cool. There is a there's actually a website that you can I don't know maybe you find this it's like you can do a wee uh, a wee like um, basically trial run. If that makes sense, it's like you just go on the. It's like a a story, and you just play it as if the the website is your DM, and you like make decisions. I must try that. That's like an old text based RPG, then, in a way. Um, uh, kinda, but very simple. It's just to give you cause, more. Because uh, I actually did look up. Oh, I have an account on it. I can't even remember the name of it now. Because there's actually a web. There's a couple of websites, but I think it's I think it's roll. I uh, roll twenty is the one that I'm involved in, and that is is if you have friends. And a story. So, for instance, you can actually buy, like, say, official Dungeons and Dragons or, or Pathfinder or Starfinder stories yeah. for online, and you can play with your friends. And what it is is that oh. you, one person is like a DM, and the other person, your friends, is like normal, and then you can all chat. But then, what you can do is you can put into like the chat function your rolls of the dice, and it'll like automatically do that for you in a part of your story. It's kind of like it's a it's like but it's the actual like it's the official Dungeons and Dragons or Starfinder or Pathfinder yeah. stories and things, but they're incorporated like digitally so that people can do it whenever they're separate and abroad. And I was like, that's pretty class. Yeah, that's cool. Hmm? There's a website I used the time I played where it was like instead of having a character sheet, you just put everything in there, which is really handy. It's like was a it Hero Lab. Uh, I don't think it was Hero Lab. It was a different one. D&D I'm just thinking of Hero Lab. I only know that because of the Glass Cannon podcast. Yeah. Stop acting like you know everything. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I feel like, oh, man, I've listened to 53 episodes since you've told me about that. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah, it's just because, well, obviously, like, yeah, it is It is just a lot of fun. Like, like the first character died in it, and it was like, oh, the next episode where they were just giving so much shit to the DM about the fact that one of their characters died. It was great. Like, <laughs> That's what I like about it. They're all friends. They literally do rip the piss out of each other. Yeah, they're all very funny and everything, yeah. And yeah. Just, Joe cannot roll, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And it's a running joke, and you, like, you hear him roll. Even in Starfinder, he's still shit at rolling. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like, it actually does seem like it's just, like, way, way, like, like everyone else is, like, he can't seem to get above 10. It just doesn't, It like, if he does, it's like, Jesus Christ. That doesn't happen in like five episodes. <laughs> yeah, so if, if anyone has any vague interest in Dungeons and Dragons at all, I would advise uh, and so will Thomas now <laughs> listening to the Glass Cannon podcast. It's and very will... funny. It's like a 
it's like it's like an improvisational audiobook. Kind of, yeah. You described it best well, to me well, as that because the reason that it's so improvisational is that like because you're following a story, which is set out by Dungeons and Dragons, but they roll. From a guy that listens to a lot of audiobooks, listen to this. The difference is, is that because whenever they roll the dice and you hear the roll of the dice, it's the fact that <laughs> to the people at the time don't actually know what's going to happen in the same way yeah. that you don't. And it's just like yeah, sometimes no one knows it's. How... Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, you would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you owe me a soda. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you don't like. It's like not only like the 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 playable characters don't know what the story is going to have in store and the, the dungeon master is going to have his own agenda and then the, the players they know what their character's backstory is but no one else does so like people aren't it's like you're never quite sure how they're going to react to certain things there's just all these like uh these sort of intertwining things that that adds this whole layer of spontaneity and it's just it's, yeah it's really cool and there's there's also the extra layer too where you're you're getting like the the meta as well as like if you know what i mean it's like sometimes you get the character reaction then you get like the reaction of the people playing the character and how they feel and it's like uh, it's just it's really cool it's really cool i think it's perfect perfect for podcast too because it has like that's why i compared it to an audiobook because it's like as you're listening you're kind of imagining how things are going yeah and like you kind of do see the characters and stuff like that because like the only thing i know uh i'm gonna say there is what I do find interesting. Oh yeah, it was the last day when I was in the car and I was like, listen to one because it's kind of perfect for like my commutes because it's like yeah. can be, my commute can be two to three hours for each episode's an hour, so it is pretty perfect that way. But there was one and I was um I lost my point again. I'll bring it back. Jeez, that's mad. I forget. Oh yeah, that's what it, that's what it was. It was that I was really into it, and then the guy rolled a dice, and I think he rolled like a natural twenty, and I was like, fuck off. <laughs> 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 Like fear, like I'm like yes, but like so invested in like the like oh, oh so good. you know the like the critical hit you get so into it that's class yeah because like the tables have turned they were like pure losing a battle and then like this is what led to the like a, like their conclusive victory or like if you didn't yeah. roll that critical it would have all been over because then like it just did this and they took down like the most powerful enemy and then everything else was just kind of cleaning up it was like this is great but I just remember being like fuck off. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so like, that's, a good, like, that's a good example it's like you, it's like someone will roll a 20 and you'll hear everyone in the room go like wow and then maybe the next episode they'll like recap and be like oh man that was so clutch like oh, I, thought, <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were gonna like there was one episode yeah. that, or the next episode they were like i thought we were gonna die i thought we were all gonna die i thought the podcast was over like <laughs> <laughs> oh it was brilliant but yeah, no. So anyway, but anyone that's listening, <laughs> I, I, I have never played a tabletop RPG in my life. And Owen suggested to me the Glass Cannon podcast. And I'd never, um, I've never done this before because I was like, ah, do you want to be interested to try it? Because it always seemed interesting to me. And so I decided to give it a listen to see what the crack was, to see, kind of get an idea of what it's like playing these games and see how it goes. And then I was like, ah, yeah, she'll give us a listen. This thing has like 240 episodes. Yeah. So I was kind of like, you know, I'll, I'll listen to like the first bit and see how I get on. That was only like three weeks ago, and I'm 53 episodes in, which counts as 53 hours in. And I'm like, yeah, I'm probably going to eventually catch up to them. And it's going to be annoying because I won't have another episode for like a week. Can you hear <laughs> I didn't get any of that. <laughs> oh, did you not? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it might still be recorded, though. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, I was basically just saying how like I wasn't planning to listen to like all the episodes of Glass Cannon, which is like 200 and something. But I'm 53 episodes in, and I probably will. 
and, <laughs> and now I've bought like a Dungeons and Dragons manual and stuff just to give it a go. Cause... Yeah, like that's basically my experience too. It's like I was, I was like passingly interested in Dungeons and Dragons, and I started listening to that podcast, and I was like, oh my god, this is class. Yeah, um, I, I completely I get why it's why, why why it would be so fun. I completely like co-op, cooperative storytelling is the way they described it, which I'd never even heard the term before. But I get it now after listening to it, and why yeah. it would be fun. And it's also like the from them playing, it's like there's definitely this feel, this like le- level of like uh, investment that you don't get from any kind of computer game. Like no, and the and like the you really get the yeah, but you also get to really experience and really have proper control over what your character says too. Like yeah. in, if you're playing like Fallout, you can choose from a list of things to say. But in a role playing game, you can play say whatever you want, and then your DM will come up with the appropriate answer. Like it's like way more immersive if you can get into it. Yeah. But, like, uh, oh, so good. No, I was just I was going to go on to something else if you want to. Oh yeah, no, you can go ahead. Fine. Well, I was just going to say like. I was a, I was going to like literally about to buy the the same book that you did, but then we all went into lockdown. But you you did anyway. <laughs> yeah, I did anyway. Like yeah. book depository. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, actually, like because I went into the local place in town to see if they had it, and then uh, they were like, "Oh, we don't have it, but we can order it in." And then they were like, "We've got a there's actually a spot in a lo- in a game like in a couple of days time or whatever if you want to join." And I was like, "Okay, then." So I actually yeah. went up playing like a like a once off game for a few hours. It was really fun. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm hoping. I got, I got dice actually. I meant to show you last time you were here. Uh, one of the people I was playing with gave me like a few of their die. Class. So I've got like, I've got a set of die. Yeah, I actually do too because that's what comes in the starter set, which is kind of handy. Which I'm actually hoping to try and DM a night to night for the first time ever, even though we played a game. I don't know how that'll go. So it's going to be three of us sharing one set of die. Yeah, that that. Uh, hmm? Well, you could you can do it too. You know, I, I yeah, that's grand. <laughs> I yeah, was gonna yeah. say like the way um, the way they do it like with um, the, on Dan Harmon, it's just the DM that does all the roles, but they're oh, really? doing it on a live show, so it's kind of. I think that's why. Oh, that kind of makes sense for it's more for yeah. efficiency's sake. But you'll be around the table, so you can all just share. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's only gonna be three of us, and like, should be it should be grand. I'm just getting excited to do it because like it was actually Cormac's suggestion because I suggested it ages ago, and I kind of more suggested it into my group, my house group chat, being like, so I got the starter kit if anybody wants to give it a go anyway, because I like read all the rules and stuff, and then I actually bought the players the core hand rule book, which is the, you know, the bible of it of it all like later, and then he just brought yeah. up randomly. He was like, he was like, ah, well, sure, we're not doing anything tonight, like be interested in playing Dungeons and Dragons he was like you mentioned ages ago and I was like oh, sure I'll give it a shot and I messaged him and he was like oh yeah man I'll be done with that and I was like geez, I did not expect you to be so I, I'm i the guy that wants to do it like and you're both coming to me with it sort of <laughs> yeah I'm happy I'm happy out <laughs> not too bad but um one thing I was going to say what I like the new Glasgow podcast which I found funny what they were doing geez I'm probably going to chat about these guys too much now and this one was they they have a good line they're because they're all very experienced players. They know the difference between what they know and what their player knows. Yeah, which is so interesting because I never even thought about that aspect before. Because sometimes something will happen. Like recently, there was one of the episodes. One of their characters became deaf during her turn, but then like one of the other guys was like, "Oh, she's deaf now." But then, and then they were like, oh, "But 
but like they were like, but my character doesn't know that because how would they know that? Because yeah. it and just happened to her. He's not going to know because like every round only lasts like six seconds. And there's he's also, not going to. Oh, there's, sorry, also, go ahead. there's also like the layer of um, like say if say if you think a character's lying and you go and you do sense motive, and then you roll a one, then. Yeah. Like your character thinks they're telling the truth, but you know that you made a bad roll, so they might still be lying. There's that yeah. that layer as well. Yeah, so it's like you your character has to not be suspicious of them, even though you are. Yeah. So you have to kind of, that's where the kind of role playing comes in, I suppose. But yeah. it was you it was you showed me that video and it was interesting. I can understand entirely why if you were trying to write why Dungeons and Dragons or some kind of tabletop role-playing game could make you better at character development. Yeah. Because if you really do give it a shot and do try, you are trying to be that character in a situation and you have to react to situations and be that character. Yeah. And like it's why like the to... it's why those alignment things are useful too. Like you know the chaotic neutral like or chaotic evil things. chaotic good neutral all yeah. that kind of stuff so that you can be like well my character has a strong sense of morals but he also has this or whatever and you can kind of like use that graph to be like how would i react yeah it's like a good it's a good jumping off point of like what yeah. type of person are they which is why you know there's a perfect room in the marketplace for uh an Irish tabletop RPG based on all of the Irish folklore. Just is saying. There, is there, there isn't a, one. <laughs> is there a a game? Or sorry, what did you say that again? I was saying like I don't know. I came up with the There's idea perfect, and that we're the perfect and market like, for uh, an Irish, uh, pretty much an, uh, a tabletop RPG, which is like Dungeons and Dragons version, but using Irish folk, folk folklore. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, that's just like, maybe if I get good, I'll try and make a bit about it. Yeah, like, the, the, I don't even know how. Yeah, like, it's kind of mad when you're listening to it because you're just like, this is like a really well written story, but with so many other things that you have to account for. Like, yeah. It's like, how do you even do this? <laughs> <laughs> Like how do you how do you like write a story and then balance it for people coming along and potentially fucking it up on you? Yeah, yeah pretty much it. And how do you like how do you deal with like I actually because I actually find it hilarious because I read on Reddit today about one guy being like I uh, they were playing they were playing Icewind Dale actually like the most that's like the newest the Dungeons and Dragons campaign out. And they were on like the first battle, and one guy by accident killed the entire party because he cast a fireball on a boat, but he rolled like a one, and because of that, it was supposed to do some kind of environmental damage. But either way, what happened was it like burned the boat, and then they all fell into the water, and they all eventually got killed or drowned. (laughs) (laughs) It was like the first, like, like the whole start of the thing, I think, was like something like they're on the boat and they first meet. And this is like proper, like the first battle. <laughs> like they all just died. Yeah, and killed everyone. Yeah, I just, I just killed everyone, and it was over in like fucking forty-five minutes to an hour. And I was like, "Fuck." <laughs> <laughs> well, I just ruined a night of fun. Can't really continue from the boat being destroyed. <laughs> and I'm sure most of our listeners would have dropped so off without this. <laughs> yeah. 
that's still the fun of it. Yeah. Or another good intro- introduction to D and D is Harmon Quest. Yeah, I watched that too. That was that was. But that I was do think fun. like. I think like uh, the podcast is is more satisfying. Like in I, Harmon in Harmon Quest, they kind of like animate bits. But like the benefit of a podcast is like you're just picturing everything in your head, like the way like when you're reading a book, and it's way more engaging. I feel like with Harmon Quest because you are kind of watching it, but like you, it's sort of like you know you're still kind of almost like watching a TV show in a, in a way, or they yeah. animate bits. But like with the podcast, it's like you're just listening as maybe a character that died, or just as one of the friends who hasn't played before. You know, you are just sitting there. I think you're getting like, yeah, like Harmon Quest is a bit more of a watered down experience where, like, listening to the podcast, I think feel you're get, really getting the or close to what the the genuine experience must be. Hmm. Well, you see, I think like not not just even with the Glass Cannon podcast, but any good podcast that you listen to, one of the reasons you like listen to it is because you feel like it's you're like listening to two people that you know talk. And that's just yeah. a bunch of people that do know each other, and it seems like you're just listening to talks. It's, it's kind of funny because it feels like you're a part of it without actually being a part of it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you're, you know, whenever you're watching a movie or a TV show, you are going to have that detached reality. Whenever you're reading a book, it's an entirely personal experience, and you're pushing it in your head. But for some reason, in a podcast, you're listening to somebody else's experience or something, and for some reason, you still feel a part of that experience. That's, yeah. that's the way I kind of put it. In a way, yeah. that's why it's like so entertaining. Yeah, well, I think it's also just that extra level of engagement that you have to do. Like it's mm. you have to think about it. Just, you have you're to... not just watching; you're imagining. Mm. Yeah, you have to have your you have to have your mind like active in some way to perform it. Yeah, and that's the experience of your playing as well. You'd be imagining, so it's like it's mm. a bit closer than just watching a, a an animated version. Yeah. Yeah, because the animated version is taking the kind of effort out for you. Yeah, but it's still. But I like, like I said, it'd be a good. Uh, if you want to get a taste, that might be the easiest way to get into it, and then maybe try a podcast, and then try playing is, yourself. Yeah, pretty much. If you were to listen to the podcast of it, or a podcast of it, any podcast of it, and if you didn't like it, then you probably wouldn't. I'd say try a few. Like you know, you try a couple. Like because it did take me about three episodes to get into it. But that was just me more or less figuring out kind of at least the basics. And then from yeah. on you learn more and from on you learn more kind of thing. But like once you kinda of got I once I get once you kinda of got the hang of that, then it was like, Oh yeah, this is class. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was my experience too. It's like I listened to the first episode and I was like, What's going on? And then like halfway through the second episode I realized I was like really engaged and I was like I still didn't quite know what was going on, but I was like invested yeah. enough to, to be hooked basically. Yeah. Yeah, that was the same for me. I was invested enough to still keep following until I eventually, like at this stage, I'd reckon I'd have kind of pretty much figured it out. Stuff comes up or stuff happens that maybe I still wouldn't know, but for the most part, I've still, you know, for the most part, I'm still in there. It's it's more rare now where something might happen where they, and they might are, be like, they are ooh, and I'll be like, too. they're what, sorry? They're conscious of uh, of noobs as well. Like, they, yeah. they explain everything. Like, if a new mechanic yeah. comes up, they, they clarify as best they can. Yeah, which then makes it easier for you to be like, oh, now I get this, and then that's, that's how yeah. you go on. Anyway, I should probably move on. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that went that, that got a bit long-winded. Enough promoting another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Enough promoting. Just definitely, like, just anyone that's listening, this is going to be like, Jesus, they're fucking nerds. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then I want to mention, we're talking about historical fiction. Uh, yeah. 
I think I brought up uh, Stephen Pressfield and the War of Art before. I remember that because I, I like the kind of turn of phrase of third of war to the War of Art. Yeah. So basically I read I read that book, but then I also like I end up reading a book he he mentioned in that book, which is first novel called uh, The Legend of Bagger Vance, which is like his take on the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> it's like the it's like a philosophical and spiritual thing told via a game of golf <laughs> but um yeah it's really really good it's like it's a, it is kind of historical fiction i suppose it's like set it's set when it it it's, i don't know it's kind of weird it's like it came out in 95 i think so it's like a guy telling a story then but he's telling a story from his youth in like the 20s so oh yeah <laughs> but yeah it's very good i think uh so I was like, when I heard about it, I was like, that sounds like a, a good book for my dad. You know, he's into golf. And mm. I was like, I was like, oh, I'll get a get a bit of philosophy and spirituality into him slyly as well. <laughs> yeah, try and sneak that in there. Yeah, no, it is cool. Like, because it's not like it's just about like sort of like I don't I haven't read the Bhagavad Gita, but so I don't know how. Uh, how faithful it is or whatever but it's just about like uh detachment and stuff it's like kind of more it's like stuff to do with like your ego like in in um in the war of art one of the things you talk about is like releasing yourself and it's like actually that was something that's in it almost exactly it's like he says whenever he writes he like offers up a prayer to the muses which it's like from um is it the iliad or one of those yeah, there's a prayer to the muse, and it's like he he does he says he does that before he writes he like sits down and recites this prayer to the muses, and what that is it's like it's like releasing what you're gonna work on, so you're not like invested too much, like you're it's not like your ego or whatever. It's um yeah detachment, like I said about three times. <laughs> so that's kind of what happens. So you're saying it's like you're detached from it, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of like what enlightenment and all that is. So that's kind of where that spirituality thing comes in. It's like in the game, it's like the, the player keeps getting choked up when he's playing and then it's like, oh, if you just detach and it's like, offer it up. And I was like, ah, mm. it's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Fun book. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it sounds interesting. It sounds like kind of like stepping in like a way I would say, like say when if you were having like your life or your problems or, or your stress, like kind of stepping yourself away from your problems or that whole thing of like imagining yourself from like a view of a satellite or from like the view of Earth from Mars because you're detaching yourself away from your problems or your difficulties that so that makes them smaller. So that makes them easier yeah. to handle. Yeah, it in is in, like that in a way, yeah. In a way. In a way. But this, is, this is more like, it's like if you view if you view what you're doing, like they were talking about in the game, but he's talking in the war of art, he talks about as your work. It's like an offering. So it kind of helps you remember that it's not all about you. It's like a, it's a contribution. It's like, I heard a quote too. It's like, um, all writers are, um, it's like all writers work are rivers that are going into the same or streams entering the same river or something. It's like, that's the same kind of idea of like a yeah it's kind of like taking it's kind of t- it's trying to re- take yourself enough out of the equation to realize yeah like your work it's kind of like, it's kind of like trying to put it that like your work isn't just for you or it's like 
it's, it's like kind of like trying to move arrogance or sort yeah. of from it. Like, so it's like, you know, you're not trying to write this for you or to get rich or to get famous. You're writing this yeah. for the sake of like writing the work, which is important rather yeah, than exactly. yourself. That's important. Yeah. Cause that, uh, that like, that's how you like, that's when it becomes unhealthy. It's whenever you have written this thing or whatever, or whatever you've made. And then you still have this like, expectations for it or whatever and then like if you do if it doesn't match up to those expectations then you start having like it's just whenever you feel like shit basically yeah in the, in, in the war of art he talks about uh th- thinking of things like hierarchy hierarch- i always struggle with this word hierarchically hierarchically yeah that sounds right i i'm or, not even gonna i'm not even gonna try so i'll take your word for it yeah. so, <laughs> as if in a hierarchy but i'm trying to think of like the I'm trying to say hierarchically, I think, maybe. Hier- hierarchically? In a hierarchy. So hierarchically, yeah. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. We'll just say in <laughs> a hierarchy. That's as even hard hi- to say. As if, as if, <laughs> as if <laughs> in a hierarchy. But the way yes, you're okay. thinking is, is in a territory. So in a hierarchy, you are worried about where your status is. So you're thinking about who's below you and who's above you. Yeah, and where and that, you are in, in that position. Not, yeah, and that's not healthy. Mm. But what is healthy is if you think of a territory. So the example he gives is like Arnold Schwarzenegger's territory is the gym. So whenever Arnold Schwarzenegger is like feeling low or whatever, or just just wants to like do something, he will go to the gym and that's his space and he'll be in the gym and he'll work and he'll come away feeling good. He's not yeah. feeling good because he can lift a heavier thing than someone else. It's not to do with anyone else. It's all about the place that he goes to, to, uh, that his, that's his, reach his fucking area of expertise. Mm. What you can understand, so you like can find the comfort in that. Yeah, but he he's saying like that's it's like how you can tell too is is like say if you're feeling like shit or whatever, and your reaction is to call six of your friends to reassure you that means you're working on a hierarchy because you're caring about it's like you need other people to to make you feel good about where you're at whereas if you turn to whatever your like art is so like writing a book or writing a song or whatever mm. if you then get, that's then that's your, your territory that, yeah that's like a healthy relationship and that's the way it should be but then what if you do like a depression pit where you just like close your curtains and watch like a pixar movie <laughs> well, that, that that means you're um, given into resistance, and that's no good. Oh, fair enough. That's, just, uh, <laughs> that's like that's just like my ultimate like that's like my hangover day. Well, it's not necessarily yeah. a Pixar movie, but if I'm feeling very very weak, fragile, I'll usually watch like you know something. I'll you know if you know you can have a hangover where you're just like oh, I'm feeling physically rough, yeah, and that's fine. You can do whatever like, but if you're hanging have having a hangover where you're feeling mentally rough. That's whenever I usually watch, like, you know, something that I know is going to end well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is still probably resistance in yeah, a way. Yeah, I, I do that on, like, a, I usually, like, on a Sunday, I'll watch, like, a couple of movies because I'll usually have a drink on a Saturday. Mm. But, like, yeah, that's okay. But, like, because um, you have to give yourself breaks as well. But yeah. the, whole, the whole thing of War of Art is about identifying resistance and then overcoming resistance. So it's like mm. the way the first part is all about resistance and it's like identifying that. And then the second part is about turning pro is how he puts it. And it's like basically there's two there's two reactions to every situation. It's like the amateur move or the professional move and the professional move is always like to do the work. And then yeah. the third one is like the higher realm and that's where he like starts talking about muses and stuff. But that's actually quite 
inspiring too. It's like by the end of the book, you're just like, "Geez, I can do this." Mm. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where it'll it'll kind of stick with you, kind of thing. Yeah, but do you remember um, the last time we recorded? I was talking about like uh, I was feeling like really depressed. Mm. He bas he described exactly how I felt in this book. Oh wow, that's amazing! Yeah, and it's because. It's like if you keep giving in to resistance, basically, it's like you feel like shit because you are not doing what you know you should be doing. But that's the problem. It's like you get into this loop. It's like, well, I'll talk personally. I'm sure it's it must be fairly universal whenever he wrote about it in the book too. But mm. it's like I get. It's like I feel down, so then I feel like I can't create. So then I'm like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, and then it just you just end up with this like, constant loop, and it's like oh, I'm not I'm not feeling well enough to do it, so I can't do it, blah blah blah, and then you just get stuck. But if you just sit down and make yourself, even even like I found it can just be like doing 15 minutes worth of work a day, and then but and then come the next day I can work way better. It's like it's, once you beat that resistance one time, the next day yeah. is so much easier. And vice versa. If you if you give in date again, the next day it's so much worse. Like yeah. I think it was last week, I had my journal open and I knew in my head that just writing something in it was going to make me feel better. But I sat staring at it for ages. I just could not make myself start for whatever reason. And I just, but I just sat there with it open until I did. And then I wrote like five pages, I think. And then I was like, I feel good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even today, I like, I was definitely encountering resistance the last couple of days because yesterday morning i like woke up and then ended up just like lying back in bed <laughs> for like another three hours yeah and then, and then woke up and just did nothing and i was like uh-oh <laughs> and then today i was like having really hard bothers again and like because i seen i finished that short story so yeah. i had, like finished the first draft and i had like maybe a page worth on the type up today so like the first basically the first edit and I had like one page left to do maybe. And I was just like, ah, I don't, I can do any of this. But then I just like, was like, I was like, just type it up. Even if you type it up exactly and you don't do any editing, just do it. And then I did that. Yeah. And it felt really good. And then I ended up finishing a drawing that I started on Wednesday as well. And I felt even better. And I was like, okay, I'm back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Here we but go. Yeah. But yeah, that book is fantastic. Just because it like spells out everything that you need to motivate you in a really yeah, and but not even it spells out everything you need to motivate you. It's just that it also how do I put it? Like it's because because it kind of shows you what you need to fight or like what is going against you. Do that kind of a way. I think it also has the benefit of like I'll sometimes think that uh, like I know that uh, I I should be making a song for example mm. and i know that that'll make me feel better but it's like if i only have my own word to go on it's almost easier to not do it whereas if i have it in a book that says the exact same thing i can be like well this must actually be true because this guy wrote a book about it yeah you know that's I mean? true. It's, like, it's like that extra like thing that makes it fact instead of just being like well maybe i'm wrong <laughs> yeah yeah exactly because you will because you will always doubt yourself no matter especially with stuff like that you will 100 percent always doubt yourself but if somebody says no this is true because i remember that whenever um i think i've definitely said this before in a podcast remember i seen blind boy in the lyat and 
I wrote to him a question being like, how did it feel whenever somebody was, told you that you were depressed? It was the last podcast. But... Was it the last one? Oh, well, there's yeah. no point in repeating it. <laughs> Damn, if it wasn't even just the last one, it would be fine. I must have said yeah. that one. I was drunk well, you, too. You can get to get to the... You can. You well, can... the whole point was he had a yeah. confirm for him and then get I had a confirm for me and you felt a lot better about yourself because confirmed. Because it, uh, yeah. not, it wasn't something that you were thinking of in your head. It was something that was confirmed in your head. It was something that you knew rather than something that you thought. It was something that was fact or something that could have been fiction. Yeah. I'll skip over it and then. It was just the last one. You guys... <laughs> I gotta find. Oh, that's all right. I gotta, I gotta find new stuff to talk about. <laughs> uh, that's okay. It just means that you don't have to tell the whole story again. <laughs> you can just yeah, that's right. you just go to the point. Go to the punchline. Yeah. I think I did. I know. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think that's most of what I want to talk about. Actually, I think that's most of what I want. To... I haven't really like because I don't have any like TV shows and movies because I don't any of that. Because really, I've been trying to read a lot more, or just listen to more audiobooks, or just kind of relax. Um, yeah, I've been trying to like stressful week, but I've been better and my stress better. Actually, on the podcast, I'll say I started counseling again this week, last of last Tuesday. Oh, yeah, that'll be that's, big. That was something we were talking about in the last episode, I think. Yeah, I think uh, I was um, thinking that I was thinking of word mental health wise, and yeah, I decided to finally take the dive, and I did my first counseling session last Tuesday at like seven o'clock. That was something that I that was something I wanted to actually ask you about is okay. how you like got into all of that because I think that's something that could be worth people knowing. It's like because last episode you were talking about uh, being on antidepressants, I think. Yeah. So, um, just like how, like how do you, if you're, if someone's listening and they think that they might need that, what should they do? Just go to the doctor, or really the first thing you can do is just go to your GP. Now, GP will I can prescribe you antidepressants, but what a lot of GPs can also do is they like a lot of GPs, or if you find to be a good GP, which I'd say you probably will in Ireland, is they will probably counselors recommend to you. Um, the in Ireland, I think the waiting list. We're going to be with a waiting list for three months if you go to a free service. But at the same time, you know, we're still very lucky to have a free service. That's just the only reason you're going to be waiting three months is because they're busy, unfortunately. Um, which you can go to, like, just many places like Jigsaw and pay a house. And, like, a lot of people, like, this is one of the main things that, like, people trip, trip, trip people up that are, like, depressed and all. It's, like, a lot of people would see it as, like, if you're depressed and, like, you know, you must be suicidal and you should only go with cancer if you're suicidal. It's, like, that's not true. You should go anyway, and it could possibly prevent you from ever getting that far, which is a great thing. But um, I decided to go online to this thing called Bark. But it's hard. I know it's hard. Uh, it is very hard. It's hard. To, like, it, it's like, I I notice myself, it's like, if I'm feeling really shitty, I'd be like, oh man, I should really like go get help or something. But then if you're feeling shitty, you don't want to do it. And then once you feel better again, you're like, oh, I don't need to anymore. <laughs> so well, you just end up never doing it but like one thing i can say is you know what's interesting is say if you're say one of those days that you're feeling better yeah book a, do- book a doctor's appointment and you'll feel a lot more at ease talking to them and be like sometimes yeah. sometimes i get die and sometimes i get this and i think like this and i can feel like this and they will be a lot better because like it's another thing of like asking the expert like it's another thing like, yeah. you're you're referring to that book the war of art and it's like you know about how do, it's almost like guide on like what is dampening your creativeness and it's almost like a bible you could go to for it well like a doctor or yeah. a psychologist or counselor that, could be one for your head like 
Well, that, that's actually what I meant to say about that book too. Like his whole thing is like basically if you are doing what your creative kind of purpose is, not even your creative purpose, just whatever you're like put here to do, then you will be happy. It's like he kind of talks about like if you, it's like if people, everyone just did their creative thing, they're like, then there'd be no <laughs> use for advertisements and <laughs> no one would be able to like, prey on our weaknesses or anything everyone would just be like really satisfied complete human beings so it's, like, <laughs> quite like, it's quite like noble <laughs> yeah i get what you mean it's like everyone would it would it would all work out in such a way that we would all be fun yeah we wouldn't them. have any of those insecurities or doubts or anything we'd just be doing what we're here for and all. it's like it's quite inspira- inspirational <laughs> but um if get back to say how do that uh, one thing I will say is that it is really very, very hard. But I suppose for me, whenever I first started going, it was because of suicidal. I recently like, attempted that point, and one of the things that was necessarily easy to see me, but what my somebody said to me was like, you know, if you're willing to try and go that extreme to try and take your own life, then you're willing to go and try and talk to somebody, which sounds ridiculous. But if like if you want to try and do that extreme, you should at least be willing to try. If you, like if you find it scary to go and talk to someone, then you should. Uh, it's still gonna be scary to do the other things, and you should still go and try and do this. But I would just recommend just if yeah. you're thinking about it, if you even have once considered maybe I should go, just go because at the end of the day, like it would be great. Imagine you went and do a counselling. Like, you know what? You don't need my service. You're fine. You feel great that day walking out. Yeah. You would feel fantastic. You would walk out with. Fucking, fucking, nothing to bother. You'd be like, "This is great. I know that I'm okay." Unfortunately, for I would wager ninety nine point nine percent of people that will not happen. Which just also shows. Well, yeah. Well, like it's it's a it's a win win. It's either you go, you come out, and they're like, "Actually, you're sweet." Yeah. Or you come out and be like, "Here's how to be better." Yeah. It's actually oh, it's like oh, either oh, you're fine, you're not depressed, or here you are depressed, but here's you know, not like it won't be a magic touch or a magic switch yeah. or a magic word it'll be like oh you are depressed and here I will help you how to deal with it and how to possibly get out of that so that maybe you won't need these services someday which has happened to me so this will be my third time going into crowdsourcing services but I have came out of it twice as well yeah. you know I, I just understand it right now at this point I feel that I need it I need the extra help which yeah. there is no shame from, but I won't hopefully I won't need it for the rest of my life Hopefully, I yeah. should be able to help myself. But sometimes, sometimes you just need a little bit of help. But it's the same as if yeah, you need, too, if every... you need, if you need, if you're sick, you go to a doctor, and it's just, it's just for your head. Yeah, and like every single person on the planet can benefit from some kind of counselling or whatever. Yeah, I, I think, I think, I, I genuinely think, like in schools, it should be like one class a week you have that you just like to go to a counselor. I just think that, like, because especially because if you learn these things early on, it would teach you how to deal with stuff easier later on in life. But also just because it's just because it, as you're saying, I just don't think it, it could not provide a benefit. It could take away from you, if you know what I mean, if it's on pulling. Yeah. So that's my advice, folks. Get counseling, play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I'm asked about that thing. but yeah no, but I understand what you mean it is I will say that everybody it was incredibly hard 
Which is why I then hope that even just saying this, if somebody was to hear me like, ah, well, like, you know, that somebody's saying, that was a, as I'm saying, I don't want to repeat myself, but that time boy hearing, you know, something like Blind Boy, who is, I think he describes himself as a C list celebrity. <laughs> yeah. Him say something like this it was very touching and powerful to me. As a young Irish lad, like, you know, this is like the guy who's, you know, he's still blind boy for bandits. He's still like, you know, he's got this great podcast and all now. But to hear him say something like that, something, you, you know, like, in a way, you cannot, I'm sure, I'm sure you can understand what I mean. That kind of like, yeah. I'm not explaining as well. <laughs> well, it's like what we're, we've said before, it's kind of what we want to do here anyway, is just like, hope for someone to hear it and feel better about themselves or go get help. That would be yeah. like, like, like the better than advertising for anchor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just um, I don't know. I made a note after the last one, and I thought it'd be worth. I don't know. I just I don't. I never really hear talked about how like what to do exactly if you are like it's mm. all, it's like you know there's numbers to call and all, but what what are like the proactive steps to to go, going into counseling or getting the medication you need or whatever. Well, like for so getting the medication, be, definitely. I, thought, I just thought it'd be good to, to talk about well, that. One thing else that was interesting, which, because of course I did to start, like the first time I ever got prescribed antidepressants was like, I took them. Antidepressants will initially cause an anxious reaction because but so I say if you're depressed and you're like, you're feeling low, even chemically, um, then all of a sudden your body starts getting like the dopamine or serotonin whenever again and it starts feeling the body will actually initially have like panic attacks as a natural reaction mm-hmm. so uh, at the start whenever you get your presence a lot of times you will be given like sex or something as an, as an anti-anxiety to do with it but the difference is like some, yeah. like they will give you a very short term about this because obviously high of properties and also if you're depressing you're anxious and anti-anxiety is a very addictive possibility but they usually give it to you, so say for the first week, but your anxiety could last longer than a week, and you might need a long prescription. Or what actually happened to me before uh, recently was I was taking I was taking fifty milligrams sertraline, and that was making me anxious. And weirdly enough, I had to start taking a hundred milligram sertraline, and then that was enough that I stopped having an anxious reaction to the antidepressant. So therefore, I stopped mm. being. So it did affect my head and the fact that I did feel less depressed, but increased my anxiety. But then the increase in dosage. So see, that's the unfortunate thing of there is a wee bit of trial and error at the start. So that can be scary for people, but that's something, unfortunately, you kind of have to go through. But then on the outside of it, it's like you could feel a wee bit worse. You could get luck and feel better on the first try. But then on the outs- on the other side of it altogether, you will feel better. But the important mm-hmm. thing is, is whenever this happened to me and I first took antidepressants and then I started getting anxious, is I just refused to tell my doctor pages. And I told them, I, you know what I mean? Because you just, because you kind of don't know. And then, but then also luckily, like I did see like medicinal chemistry and also biopharmaceuticals and stuff in college. Kind of knowing you, even on a chemical level, how this affects your body, how that affects your body. You, you, you just like, you just have to get to a point if you don't like talking to your GP like this, go find another GP that you do like to talk to about and say to them, like, this is making anxious, this is making me this, this is making me that. That's what I did with my last GP. He was like, well, all right, so you're, feel, you're, st- so you're still feeling anxious from this? And I was like, yeah, so I've been taking it for a month, still pretty anxious. 
first week was fine because it was on the Xanax, but I'm pretty anxious. And he was like, all right, well, we're going to try to, uh, he was like, right, so for your next prescription, dosage, I'll double it. And he said, sometimes the body can't have that reaction where it's, it's getting the chemical it needs, it's just not getting enough. So then it kind of causes a panic kind of because of it. And then eventually I was getting enough and it stopped all of the panic altogether. That's just generally why it happens. That's, and then, so that's how it would be for the antidepressants. And then for the counseling, um, so you can ask your GP for counselors. You can do, I actually recently used this thing called Bark.com in Ireland. I pretty much got a response from six different counselors who are supposed to be specialized in my type of, type of uh, the service that I would require. Mine would be depression, hopelessness, and kind of uh, anxiety. And then they got back to me on that. And, and you can... Sorry. And uh, do, do you need to have a diagnosis before you use that? or what, Oh, that sorry. Uh, no, you don't. Because you can just, you know, you can just say that you're feeling down. You can say that you're feeling hopeless. You can say, like, like, don't, like, don't ever be afraid to walk into a concert and explain how you're feeling and they will be able to give it to you better. And the funny thing is, is like, if you are one of those people afraid of being like, which is what I was ages of being like, you're not depressed. I'm fine. I have friends. I have family. I have reports or I have this or I have that. Yeah. You literally have to question whether you're depressed or whether or not you need help. The funny thing is, is that you probably do. If, you, if you're trying to convince yourself that you're not something you are, if you're trying to convince yourself, it's like, yeah. no, I'm happy. No, I am happy. I am happy. I'm okay. I'm not depressed. I'm not depressed. Tell yourself I'm not depressed. I'm sorry to tell you, you're probably depressed. And if yeah, you, you, to, you know what I mean? You wouldn't question yourself. Yeah, it's like, if you're, if you're trying to convince yourself, like, like, if you're trying to be like, well, I have this, therefore I can't be sad or I can't. You know that's not how it works. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. It's not like a mathematical formula, like a plus b equals c, two plus two equals four. It's not like, uh, freaking, like good job, good car equals happy. It's like no. You technically, sure. I don't have a good job, but I'm not happy in this. <laughs> have a good yeah, job, but I'm not happy in this. <laughs> If that was the case, all Buddhist monks would be depressed because they all have nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I won't join them, depressed bastards. Now, that's like, but no, actually, I actually never thought about that before because I suppose I was lucky in the first semester of the counseling that I was in the IT and the counseling services for So I just was able to go in. But I also didn't like that counselor. So that put me off counseling for about three to four years. And then I went back when I was in MIG there recently. And uh, Jesus, I loved the counselor I had there. She was just, she was just fantastic. She was just, she was just completely. Um, she just had an understanding of me very quickly. It obviously showed the caliber of, that she was. That she was able to stuff almost like that I was thinking or the feeling uh, before I was even saying it. It was very like me to get that. Now the counselor had my own session with her, but I do feel like that she's going to as well. But like that's another thing that people don't realize is that like. You do say if you go to counseling, you don't like it. Do try a different counselor. There, you will. It usually will only take you like two to three tries, and you'll find one that you like. But if find a good counselor, would you should pretty quickly. Usually, you just do need one because they will. 
if they're good and they're a well-trained counselor, they will know what they need to say and they will know like sort of what they, they will know if you need passion and they will know if you need like to be kind of set straight or if kind of funny. because like uh, even the recently one thing as was we got on the first session was she's also a cancer survivor as well as mine she had it a lot worse than I did but she told oh, me man. that she went to counseling whenever she had cancer and she was like obviously the person just gave her compassion and that counselor that she had at the time had also been a cancer survivor because there's an understanding wow. there but what the amazing thing is is she was like of course anybody in that situation just needs compassion like any counselor should know that you don't need to keep your head up you know you don't need to you don't need in that situation keep your head up and all be fine you need to okay you know things happen this will be fine you don't need a calming influence whereas sometimes depending on what you're going yeah. through you will actually Calming influence, you'll need to need to cop on. You do know you need to set yourself straight. You do need to do this. You do need to do that. You know, you need you do need to get up. You know, some people, but like a good counselor will figure out what you respond to pretty quickly. But just go look online. Look in Ireland, there's plenty of free services. If you're going for a free service, be prepared for the wait, but at the end of the day, that's still not that bad. Because then also that's something you have to wait for. And I swear to God, I've right. On Tuesday is the day that my car broke down. I had to go and rent a car first and it was stressful as shit. I was like, am I I was actually looking up, I might have to get a bus to alone and stay in Athlone for the night. And then I got the rental car, I was like, fuck, I have like no money. I am i I've fucked. I spoke to my council session at five and I had to ring her and be like, I'm sorry, like we're gonna have to reschedule my car broke down like fuck, 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 like you know, like really like Really like stressful day at work, stressful, just you know, really, really intense stress. I think she was like, Look, most one is 645. I talked to her for an hour. I swear, I haven't felt uh, that good in about a month. And that was after one of the most stressful days I've had. Like, that's one hour of conversation. Yeah. Now, I'm going to be a lot more open to it because I've done it before. And that's one thing she was kind of, I've done it before. I was like, I have. And that's one of the things. One of the things that's so, so like thing about going to counseling is you know because like there's there's even like a legal thing there that they cannot break this confidentiality that they have with you or like they get in trouble, yeah. and so you do like you do have this openness that you don't realize that you have. Now you can have like a big amount of openness with your friends, your family, but sometimes never that openness can be completely cut off and boxed off. It's like a, a human journal that can talk back to you. There's yeah. a very there's a very freeing thing about it that can make you feel better. And putting these anxieties, these 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 depressions out there and someone actually, breaking them down for you can make you feel so good. And actually that kinda ties back to the videos I seen I was watching where the guy was analyzing the um Goodwill hunting therapy scenes, like he talks about that. Those kind of like, like if you're um thinking that it might be beneficial, like watching those videos could actually make you help you make up your mind because it just talks about all that stuff, like what the therapist is there for and everything, and like what the it's the channel's called My Little Thought Tree. If you want to look it up, anyone put that, I must remember that. Well, you should probably watch the movie first. <laughs> no, you should face the movie first. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like, yeah. 
just as another maybe more tangible thing to what you're talking about there. Like I went on a bit of a speed layer, but just I'm adamant that I just do think people should go get it. As you say, I never thought before, but it's yeah. true. It is just a win-win. There's there's not a downside that can come from it. Like, just, <laughs> no. just like there's not really a downside about going to the doctor. Like The downside would be that you, you find that you're sick or you're ill, but that's still a plus because you should know if you're sick or you're ill. <laughs> and if not, then they get all cleared and you're... Yeah. <laughs> It's like the only possible downside would be is like if you feel like shit and then you go and then they tell you you're grand, but like that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, if they do, you see, if that situation go to a different counselor and then they will, I don't know you should hopefully find someone pretty quick that's like, yeah, that's not how you should feel, you know, like that would be somebody not doing their job. <laughs> Although, like, you can, you do hear, like, we were talking about the. I was on about the podcast where the guy had OCD mm. and I was saying like he went to a counselor who didn't help. So like if that happens, just go to another one because there's different yeah, that, styles and stuff like, and you know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But particularly now because there's like, there's, there's CBT, which is no cognitive behavioral therapy. And then there's now a newer version of that, which has become more popular, ACT, I think, which is acceptance committal therapy, I think. Which is like, it's like an advancement of uh, like CBT, which is more about like... Yeah, there's more, a lot more. of different versions. Right? Of it, and then there's there's but like, like an emotional one. Yeah, exactly. And But you see, well, some of those, like for even like OCD itself, like CBT is supposed to be like almost curative to it. It went up properly. Like there's like, which is how effective that is. But just CBT for like OCD, like it's also effective other stuff. But like that's how... You, if you, but if you go to a counselor that isn't CBT trained with OCT, then you might be you wouldn't be able to get that. But that's the same as like trying to go to a GP whenever you need like maybe say some surgery. They can't do that. <laughs> you need to go to a surgeon. You don't need to go to a GP. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I know a GP were afraid to a surgeon, but that's the kind of way I'm putting it. Well, it's like you you go to a specialist and stuff like. For yeah, different... I went to an oncologist. I went to a urologist, kind of stuff like that. I went to a big dickologist. No, oh. did he tell you why, why? Did he ask you why? Why are you, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> I got you. <laughs> no, he raped me. No, oh, big dick. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, no, nah, he didn't. I yeah. asked for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was completely consensual role play. <laughs> Backdoor tabletop role playing game. <laughs> Hector the Well Endowed. Oh, and that's not just the last name. <laughs> do you remember? Do you know that reference? No, I do not. Community when they're playing D and and that's the name of the character that Abed made for Troy. But then Annie picks it up instead, and she has to role play being Hector the Well Endowed, and she seduces the the. The barmaid or something? Oh uh, no, I can't remember that one at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, uh, if anyone listening got that reference, then you got well, a point. Dust, <laughs> <laughs> pat yourselves on the back. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think we wrap things up. I suppose so. We've been going long yeah. enough anyway. It was good to be back. It's good to be back. I enjoyed this. This is just like my counseling session, except for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a 
I think I brought up uh, Pete Rollins in our last podcast. It's like that was a joke. Like when he when he was on Pete Holmes, it's like Pete Holmes just keeps saying it's like this is for free. <laughs> it's like all yeah. these like deep like revelations. Like people, it's like people could listen to this for free. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and that, that that's what ours is on a very minor scale. <laughs> yeah. Well, like. Like, I think it's kind of fitting that we just went back into level four lockdown up here. And like, well, you, you're in, what did you say? You're in a... We're in like an enhanced level, level three, which is just bullshit. Like, it should just be three, level... like, like 3.5. Yeah, like, what's the point of making up five levels and then making up a 3.5 on the fly for some reason? Like, But yeah, it's kind of fitting that now we're back into these like heightened lockdowns. And this that just so happens to be the time that we start talking again, because like, it is... This is when we need these things. Like, yeah. this is when I need to have a conversation like this. I'm yeah, sure and this is, people listening the want to have these kind of comforting things as well. And it's the same for me. And and if, actually, I'll even say for people that are wondering of being like, "Oh shit, I'm in lockdown. How the fuck am I supposed to be going to a counseling session?" I did mine over a Zoom call. Yeah, and I still felt fucking fantastic of what should be like such a horrible, stressful day in my life, which it was. But I still felt fantastic afterwards. <laughs> yeah. There's this so, thing I've been thinking about even just the last couple of days of like it's like I know this like this is all like this year is really shit. But I, I started thinking it's like, see when this is over, I'm gonna feel like I can do anything. Yeah. It's like, like nothing's gonna be once we get out of this shit and we will get out of it, because that's that's just how the world fucking works. We go through these plagues and all these things they have like unfortunately it will happen again sometime but just hopefully not in our lifetime (laughs) but once we come out of this we will have it in the bag we'll be like we did that who cares if my car broke down i fucking was in lockdown for like you know what i mean it's like just thinking about things like that and it's like "Hmm." yeah or just like even like but even if like even taking off like a car breakdown say if you were like oh shit, I gotta go, say after this, you were like, oh shit, I gotta go somewhere and like live and like work or do something there for six months and I won't have any, like, won't know many people or something. You'd be like, I, at the same time, I had to stay in my house fucking for like six months. Yeah. You know, I've done this before, and but at least there, whenever I go there, I'll be able to go outside and do shit because we're not in a pandemic. You know, there's yeah. still that kind of a, a, a fortitude you have to give to yourself as well. Like. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we didn't do any of the, like, the usual album of the week or whatever during the live ones and i mm. had a I had a different uh album in mind up until like a half hour or so before we started recording so i decided i'm going to throw you a complete curveball and my album that i'm recommending for this podcast is dua lipa <laughs> <laughs> her album that came out this year future nostalgia I've listened to it like over the last three days, like once a day, and it's class, and I love it. <laughs> what? I I don't know. <laughs> and I think it's like perfect, the perfect uh, antidote <laughs> to what we were just chatting about. If you are feeling depressed, put that album on. And is is this great. what? What one is this? What one is this? Is this Undia? No, what is this? What what break break my no? What's what what's, yeah, what? Yeah, break the my heart is on it. Uh, what's what's the name of the album? Future Nostalgia. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> it's really good. I actually think that you should uh, listen to it, and I want to talk about it next week. Do like a deeper dive, just for the crack. Yeah, that's fair enough. Because... I was going to make I was gonna make a joke there and be like, death certificate, fucking ice cube or something, but let's, <laughs> it's just like even more of a curveball. But I like, 
Because I keep I kept hearing her on the radio, and then I started dawning on me. It's like you know, I actually really quite like this Dua Lipa, this this young Dua Lipa lady. Who, so who I was like, I'm Dua, gonna do a Lipa. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna check out that album, and I was just like, this is class. <laughs> it's got some of the the best bass lines I've ever heard. <laughs> that's unreal. That's class. Yeah, it's just really good pop music, and it's the 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 title is really fitting, future nostalgia because it's like, it's drawn on nostalgic things. Like some songs sound like really eighties, other songs sound like nineties house. Uh, there's so, like there was a moment in one song where I was like, that sounds like Britney Spears. It's yeah. like taking taking all these best bits of like the last couple of decades of pop music but also updating them in a really cool way and it's like mm. there's like a nostal there is that nostalgia but there's also like a timelessness and like a an updating and it's just really fun i think my favorite song was uh damn it can i remember now hang on but even listen to the first the first track i think is a really good kind of idea of what future uh, nostalgia don't start now. Cool, physical, levitating. Pretty please. Pretty please. I think is my favorite. Alright. It's I'll just it really. Listen. It's like I find it so funny when you see you'll be me driving to work and back from work now. You can't not. It can't not improve your mood. Like it's so good. <laughs> and the production is really good on it. Really like polished and everything. And it's just really satisfying. And that one, pretty please. It's like a bit more uh, mellow, and it's kind of like uh, it's a bit uh, a bit raunchy. But it's also really fun too. It's like the, it, at the end it gets all kind of glitchy and weird, and it's just like this is just, I just like every time I listen to that one, especially I just got a big smile on my face. It's like this is just a lot of lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's a good song. Like it's just like yeah, it's just, it just fills you with joy for some reason. Yeah, but like there's a lot. There's like there's like the few songs I'd heard before. Don't start now. I knew that one. Break my heart. I knew that one. Um, I think there might have been another one. Physical, possibly. Physical. I know when I when I, listen, when I listen to it, there's a couple of ones I recognize, but then even all the other like the deeper cuts are all just really good and really fun. So uh, I'm gonna probably be listening to it uh, for the okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll and, try. Yeah. I'll try and give this a listen then this week. Yeah, I want to see what you think because yeah. I had something completely different in mind that I've been meaning to talk about since like April when it came out, <laughs> but. Mm. Uh, it's too late yeah it's just because i've listened to it like i listened to it today and i listened to it yesterday and I listened to it the day before i think and i just was like really surprised how much i loved it mm. a nice wee it's a nice wee a nice wee shocker kind of like just of like i didn't even know it came out this year well yeah it says 2020 so it must have yeah i i didn't even know that i just looked i just looked up and i was like this is their last one i'll give this a listen and it was just oh. like Oh, okay. oh, this is actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like it's cool. I really like what she's doing. Like there, like there's definitely she's definitely got appreciation for these different styles of music. Like I think is it maybe don't start now, and it like has like that those nineties like oh, there's just like these references that you like when you're listening you pick out to be like oh that's kind of like this and that's kind of like that or whatever. Uh, it's got a, I don't know, I think I've said, said enough. 
I've only listened to it three times, so it's not even like that ingrained, but it's just yeah. enough to be like, this is fun. Yeah, yeah, this is a good album. Um, I, 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 that will be ingrained. Like, Yeah. So I'll keep listening to it, and you can give it a couple of lessons, and we'll... And we'll uh, discuss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, and uh, yeah, I think we'll just finish, because I used to do a track as well, and I, hadn't, I didn't do that in any of the live recordings. Mm. Call them live, you know, it's like just me and you in the same room is what I mean by live. Yeah. It wasn't an, was an audience, like. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Enemies album we've been talking had its 10th anniversary back in June, and I meant to include one of their songs, but we, again, we didn't do it. So I'm going to finish off with, I think, their song Fierce Pit Bosses. Because, yeah, that sounds uh, pretty fitting, to be honest. Yeah. Which is my band, Fierce Pit Bosses. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone that didn't get that reference there, check out Fierce Pit Bosses. Particularly the song Enemies, or the yeah. enemy song Fierce Pit Bosses. <laughs> Our song Enemies isn't out yet. There oh, might be a version out. online, actually. I think there is. I think there might be a live version somewhere on. Hmm. But, uh... Yeah, so... <laughs> Should I tell the story of how we're called Fierce Pit Bosses, and then in turn tell... The story of okay, so we're called Fierce Pit Bosses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe go that like, way. Yeah, me and Aaron, it was like we. I think we just decided to start a band, and we hadn't even like started yet. But we went to see them at their last ever gig, and this is Aaron's favorite enemy song, and his his idea to call us that. And then I think, yeah, I think we. Ha- I don't think we'd even decided at that point, but we went to their gig, their last ever gig. And we were like, oh, we're starting a band. And we got all our permission. And then, like, the next day, we were kind of like, I guess that's what we're called now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been, also, it's been kind of gifted to us. Yeah, it was just like, oh, well, that's it now. But it's kind of fitting, I felt like, because they were ending and we were starting. And it's like, I don't know. I also, I'm just a fan of Irish in general, which is yeah. why every episode I try and pick an Irish track. But, um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we also found out yeah. why they were called Fierce Pit Bosses was they were on tour in America and some someone was just like, are you going to the gig tonight? And it's like, oh, they're the Pit Bosses. And then that was it. And they didn't know what it meant or anything. They were just like, okay, that's... <laughs> they just remembered that phrase and wrote a song. So we've got like, we've got our origin story and then we've got like their origin story. <laughs> so we've got origins stories? Uh, yeah, so I'm just going to Usually we come back because I've got more stuff to talk about, but I just think I'm just gonna put it on at the end as like the outro song. So good luck. Bye. Or should we do the outro thing? Bye, 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 bye. Right. I'll see you later. Do you have a minute? <laughs>